Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 119, and it is the last episode that will be coming your way for a little while because I will be hitting the road. I'm hopefully going to be recording while I'm away, but I won't have a computer or anything with me. I'll be backpacking, so I will not have the ability to put anything out. I had been planning on maybe saving these last couple, like uploading them to uh, an iPad and then like publishing them that way along the way. But I figure I'll just give them to you now so you have something to listen to over the next couple of weeks. Okay, my guest today, her name is Jenny Meatballs. Uh, Meatballs is her nickname, is not her, her last name. Her name is Jenny Carrington. And she is an amazing soul. So I found out about her because I had Jeremy Schultz on the podcast. If you recall, he is walking from New York to California. I think he's also about a thousand miles in at this point. And he's doing so for anti-bullying and for the fight for the forgotten organization. So I've been following his videos. He does some like questions and question and answers. And then he just posts all sorts of cool and exciting stuff from his journey. I saw this like uh, amazing personality that he had met up with. And that, that person was Jenny. Um, in this episode, I mean, you, you'll hear it. I won't give you a recap of all of it. But she also is currently walking across America. And they have met up and linked up and are spending some time walking together. And yeah, her outlook is really incredible. I think she's got a lot of really cool things to say. And I think there's a lot that you can take from this, whether you are a traveler or a hiker or whether you are not those things. I think there's a lot to learn from this conversation and I really appreciated her time. Uh, It's not so easy (laughs) when you're uh, hiking along highways to find uh, some steady Wi-Fi. So uh, I appreciate that she was able to do this and that we were able to get this done before I left. I was worried that we weren't going to be able to. In the show notes for this episode, as always, folks, you will find links to Jenny and her cause and her story and things like that. So make sure you check that out. I also have a Patreon account if you're able to help out. Um, That's patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter. And that keeps these stories coming. If you're not able to help out financially, I get it, folks. I'm not really at that point in my life right now either. Uh, You can still help out by spreading the word, sharing the episodes on social media and all that, leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes or your application of choice. Um, That helps me, but really it just helps to spread the word about the podcast and to get more eyes on it. And that's exciting for me. I really love being able to, you know, share my own stories and then to provide a platform for other people to share theirs. It's been quite a ride these last almost three-ish years, I think. All right. Yeah, that's it. We will jump into the conversation. And otherwise, folks, I'll see you in a month. Enjoy this one with Jenny Meatballs. Well, first of all, Jenny, thank you. Um, I'll explain about, I guess, how I found out about you. I have a buddy who looks like he's there in the room with you who was uh, walking across the country. I had him on the podcast. Uh, I joined him at the Brooklyn Bridge when he started. 
And then, you know, I've been following all his videos, which are really cool and inspiring, sometimes scary. And I saw this person in one of his videos who had this awesome energy and was really like cheerful and positive. And so then I was checking out your stuff. And I also saw that you had some like really amazing moments of vulnerability that I'd like to talk about in a little bit. Uh, yeah, so I became interested in your journey. So first off, I have to ask before anything, uh, where does meatballs come from? Jenny meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will get into that, but I just want to respond to what you said and just say, first of all, thank you for um, the opportunity to share a little bit about what I'm doing and thank to Jeremy as well. Um, you know, he has been really cool with letting me or not letting me, but being open to, um, meeting up and, uh, just kind of sharing each other's stories and getting to know each other. And it's from that, that I think together we've, we've met a lot of people and we're, we're both kind of feeling it out. And so, uh, big, big gratitude to both of you guys. He's right here. So he hears me. Awesome. And um, so where did the name Meatballs come from? This is one of my favorite stories to tell, to be honest, and I'll try and do it um, briefly. But uh, essentially, you know, I'm an Italian girl. I grew up in an Italian family. I have a huge, massive respect for my grandfather and grandmother actually took three weeks off the trail to go visit my grandfather in the hospital. They're 100% Italian, always loved my, you know, my Italian the meatballs, you know, <laughs> My grandmother's meatball recipe, but uh, that's not actually where the name came from. So the name came my first weekend in college. Uh, I had been like a real goody two-shoes in high school, didn't really drink or party and um, was uh, top of my class. So first weekend in college, I got really drunk. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had heard, you know, everyone was posted up outside the pizza place right outside the bar at 4 a.m., big line. And you, you see my personality on, on the, uh, on the video. So I'm like, Hey guys, I heard that there's a meatball sub shop. Like I think you guys should go find the meatball sub shop. Like if you want to follow me, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I got a group of people to come follow me through the streets of Binghamton, New York, where I went to college and uh, we found Pepe's meatball sub shop. And uh, when we walked into Pepe's, he looked like Mario from Mario Kart <laughs> with the mustache. And he was short in the belly. And I said, Pepe. I went right behind the counter. I didn't even waste any time. I went right behind the counter. I said, Pepe, you know, I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat all your meatballs. <laughs> and he thought that was hysterical. He said, oh yeah, you're going to eat all my meatballs. Let's have a competition. Lo and behold, long story short, I don't actually know if it was a real meatball eating contest that ensued <laughs> or if I just made it up in my head, but I will tell you with photo evidence that I walked out of Pepe's with a Pepe's t-shirt and a meatball sub and my picture on the wall and I got free meatball subs for the rest of college. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and the name stuck. So that's the night that I earned my nickname, but I didn't actually get the nickname until a year and a half later when a, you know, a friend of a friend was visiting and said, why is this chick getting free meatball subs? <laughs> and he was like, it's a Denny meatballs. I love it. So that's where that came from. And now it's kind of like my alter ego, you know, it's my, uh, it's my entertainer personality. It's my fun. You know, I, I host uh, festivals. I use that personality. It's my comedic persona, I would say. Awesome. It's also my trail name. So when I hiked the Appalachian Trail in 2016, I did 140 miles on the Appalachian Trail. Whoa. And everybody gets a trail name. So Meatballs became my trail name. So uh, 
it's been integrated now into multiple parts of my life. It's, uh, I use it even to teach yoga to kids. They call me Miss Meatballs. <laughs> so it's, just, it's, it's rolled over now to a couple different things. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Uh, and there's a lot in there, I think, that uh, we can explore. Uh, did, did I hear you say in one of your videos that you're from Brooklyn originally? I was born in northern New Jersey, but I am living in Brooklyn currently, yes. Okay. Very cool. Um, that is where I am from. So, uh, Where in Brooklyn are you? I'm in like South Williamsburg um, by like the Broadway G-Stop. Okay. Yeah, I'm over near, near to Park Slope. Okay, I used to live in uh, Bay Ridge for a while. It's just a little south of there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so it sounds like you're into being active and hiking. Uh, I'll get into the Appalachian Trail in a minute, uh, but what prompted you to want to walk across the United States? I'm a big one-upper. <laughs> <laughs> I understand I that. I getting bored with all the other things I was doing. No, I'm being I'm being half facetious. Um, I've oh, I've always had a bucket list of adventures that I'd like to take, and um, you know, walking across America was always on the list. I didn't actually think it could be possible. Um, I didn't take it too seriously. I thought, you know, as a woman alone, I don't know if it would be safe. Uh, I don't know if I have the finances. There were a lot of challenges that set me back from doing it a couple years ago. So I was presented with the opportunity by another hiking partner who's no longer with me, but um, he opened the doorway to, hey, I'm doing this. He's very experienced. He said, hey, I'm going to do this walk across America, um, and I need someone with your skill set, media and uh, you know personality, someone who's interested in climate change. And I said, yeah, I mean, I'm perfect for this because I... I'm already working on a documentary about climate change. I'm very interested in spreading awareness about um, environmentalism and uh, eco-consciousness, raising our vibration through music and art, uh, things of that nature. So it, it made sense to me, and I felt like I could be prepared enough to do it with a partner. Um, that decision was revisited when he decided to go back to the Appalachian Trail, and I was about uh, two or 300 miles in, I had to make that decision all over again if I wanted to continue by myself. And I decided, you know, with the support of my followers that I'd already gained at that point and the momentum I had built up in my own self-confidence that I really could do it. So um, I decided that um, more so than completing it for a personal accomplishment, being able to spread my message in whatever, however many people I could reach was important enough to me to keep going until I couldn't go anymore. Very cool. Um, in plain terms, what is that message? In plain terms, it's uh, let's take care of each other and nature. Ooh, I love it. Actually, I end every single episode with please take care of each other. That's really weird. Um, cool, cool. I dig it. I had read some of the things that you were writing about um, like work and money and class and things like that. I'm wondering prior to this, uh, were you, it sounds like maybe you were, but were you already sort of living and working in like air quotes, non-traditional ways? Uh, or did at some point, did you have like a normal career trajectory that you left? I've been toggling back and forth between traditional and non-traditional. 
um, education was very important to my parents and to me. So I do have a master's degree from Fordham University in human development. But even with that, I created my own major. So I, I was the only one in my program. <laughs> um, so I've always been sort of living outside the box, even inside the box. And, uh, you know, drawing, you know, patterns inside the box <laughs> while I'm trying to push outside the box. I um, am I'm a trained ballerina and certified yoga instructor, so mm. I sometimes do that on the side. I've worked nine years in the hospitality industry, um, both in New York and L.A. Most recently, I was a, I'm a certified peer mental health specialist, so I actually have bipolar disorder, and um, I'm certified by New York State. Um, I was holding a traditional job for all of 2018 as a program manager for a mental health community center in Brooklyn. Wow. Okay. So I had that in my notes actually, because I had seen you talk about that. And uh, I think that's one of the the moments of vulnerability that I think that people would probably appreciate from, from following you and watching your stories. And I was wondering about that, you know, uh, on the Appalachian Trail, I know that they're like, you're talking about trail buddies and I'll get into trail angels in a bit. Um, but I've seen that a lot of your walking has been by yourself. Uh, I'm wondering in terms of mental health, like how you deal with that uh, with the solitude of like, you knowing I have this next 15 miles to walk by myself and I'm like not feeling okay, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. I'd actually, I really appreciate you giving me the space to talk a little bit about that. It's something that's really stigmatized, I think. Um, and it, it is really difficult. I'd ne I didn't take medication until 2017 and, um, I am taking medication currently to stabilize myself. And my doctors were a little scared uh, for me going on this journey because number one, you can only get a prescription three months out. It's a nine month journey. So I'm going to either have to get off my meds or stop at another doctor and get a new prescription. Um, and I've been diligently taking my meds every day to keep myself as stable as I possibly can. I do believe they're helpful for me in the solitude. I haven't yet felt so depressed that I couldn't, uh, you know, wake up and keep going. I think that I've been able to manage the, the mania and the depression um, just by being out in nature. I mean, part of what I'm walking for is the idea of holistic health, right? So it's not to reject the Western notion of diagnoses. I don't like to reject anything as impossible or not right, but to bring into balance the idea of why are we experiencing such a rise in bipolar, ADHD, autism, um, PTSD? What is the culture that we live in that is creating uh, these anxieties to flourish? So if we put our, take ourselves out of that culture and put ourselves into a culture where I'm walking through lakes and rivers and mm. even the rain and, you know, and even the highway where I'm still seeing cornfields and, um, and, and talking to people I, you know, don't know. It's a, it's a literal breath of fresh air for the body. And that literal breath of fresh air is actually what calms those manic, you know, manic episodes and, and manic uh, tendencies. So I do feel that actually I do a lot better when I'm out in nature than I'm um, when I'm in uh, mainstream society. And that's really hard for me because there's a stigma around 
uh, not being able to hold a full-time job. I can hold a full-time job, but it, it, it takes an awful lot for me to manage my disorder to do that. Wow. I, well, thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I think, I guess, uh, I had never really thought about until I saw, uh, your videos, uh, I meet a lot of people traveling. Um, I've spent an extensive amount of time at this point overseas. I'm leaving tomorrow again to go overseas. You mentioned something earlier that I wanted to talk about. I've met a lot of women who are solo travelers. I've met women who travel in pairs. My partner has traveled extensively. She's traveled by herself. She's hitchhiked in multiple countries. Um, and so I don't ever want there to be like, you know, a stigma of like, oh, well, men can do this, but women can't. But I think there's also, I mean, we all know this, the very real danger of uh, violence against women, of sexual assault against women. Obviously, that can happen to men too, but I think proportionally uh, it happens more to women. So I'm wondering if you like feel the need to take additional precautions, uh, if you've ever felt unsafe, or if uh, everything's been, you know, super like roses so far. Well, I would say that kudos to you um, for really, I mean, just in that small way that you framed it, I think you hit the nail on the head. I would have framed it almost exactly the same as you framed it, which is that as a, a staunch feminist and someone who believes in empowerment for women and independence, um, I certainly don't want to be told or, or feel like I can't do something uh, that, you know, um, a man is choosing to do. But at the same time, there are very real realities of, of those dangers. So I think the, the twofold thing that we can do is number one, prepare ourselves as best we know how for what has worked in the past. So a woman's intuition is really strong. And so I've really honed my intuition and I've started practicing, literally practicing like I would practice the violin listening to my intuition. Cause sometimes we say, Oh, that looks like a dangerous situation, but I, I guess I'll just do it anyway, because I don't know what else to do. Right. But when we practice listening to our intuition, we start building up that, that empowerment and people on the other, I've noticed that the, the more confident I am in my, in my no, like, no, I'm not going to take a ride with you. Um, they listen, you know, um, that's not always going to be true. There's still always, uh, like you said, violence against women is a big issue. So the second part of that, so the first part would be to be as prepared as possible. The second part is to raise awareness about the disparity in actual violent crimes against women. And I was talking to another hiker who's out here walking for sobriety. Oh. And, uh, you know, we, we had a good conversation and I really do respect what he's doing. I, it's not a knock against what he's doing. Um, but at some point he sort of laughed when I said that it was dangerous, more dangerous to be out here as a woman. And I said, you know, it's really not funny, <laughs> you know, because 86, per yes, men are, uh, can be victims of these crimes too, but 86% of violent crimes are committed against women. That's astronomically high. And most of them are committed by a male under the influence of some substance. So for someone to be walking against sobriety, it's like, sobriety and violence against women, they're, they're two sides of the same coin, really. Mm. So we all need to come together and say, as a society, men and women, we all need to treat each other better. We need to treat each other with more respect. We need to put peaceful reconciliation at the forefront of our minds, and we need to find other ways to solve problems and to keep each other safe. Yeah, that's... Um 
a beautiful point. I can't say that any better myself. Uh, it's I've had an interesting thought too, seeing the people that Jeremy meet uh, has been meeting and, and the people that you have been meeting. So uh, I would assume we're probably along like similar lines in regards to like the way we view life and politics and things like that. Uh, you know, New York City, as compared with most cities, is pretty liberal and progressive and much more accepting than a lot of places. Um, but I don't want to like ever really demean, you know, people from middle America or from rural areas. I think that there are ideas that I don't agree with, but I do think that, um, people are people and people can be amazing wherever, or they can be kind of shitty wherever. Um, but I say that to say that you guys are walking in, in places that I think a lot of New Yorkers would consider like the heart of like Trump country. Um, Mm -hmm. if that's fair to say. And sometimes it's, for me, it's like, I don't want to necessarily cast judgment on that. And I feel like sometimes, you know, people from New York do, and sometimes it's, it's for good reason. Right. Uh, but I see the people that you guys meet and like, there are a lot of smiles and a lot of people being helpful and sharing a meal or a room. Uh, I'm wondering if you could just talk about your experiences, uh, with people from sort of the middle of the country as you guys are now getting into sort of like the Midwest? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I first want to say one thing. Uh, I, I talk a lot about the difference between being a woman versus a man on this trip, but the fact of the matter is that I'm, I'm white. Yeah. And um, that is a, is a huge privilege. So um, not to say once again that, you know, everyone you meet is going to be racist. That's, that's not it. But we, we walk as white people sometimes not even realizing the extent to which we are greeted with a smile. Yeah. Something as simple as that, you know, we are uh, offered a helping hand because there's not an inherent fear or threat or uh, question. So I, I believe that the, most of the people I've met have very good hearts. Um, they wouldn't be opening their doors to me if they didn't. I've been fed. I've been clothed. My, um, you know, my laundry has been done. I've been given supplies and food and money. And uh, my mission has been shared. Really, everything I could ask for has happened. And all right there in the midst of all that. I've also heard comments that make me want to hurl. Yeah, okay. So it's a really interesting dynamic. And I think a lot of it has to do with a simple, simply lack of exposure and lack of uh, getting to know one another In, in, in the same way that, and I don't think it's just, you know, Midwestern people to people of color, it's also vice versa. It's this this projection of the other, the projection of the other. And it's only when we break down that projection by having actual interpersonal experiences, which is what a a hiker being scooped up on the road does, right? It creates an, an unlikely exchange for an actual interpersonal experience to really deeply listen and get to know someone at their base level. What are their passions? What are their fears, their vulnerabilities? And I believe that a lot of these people would open their doors to someone 
you know, if, if they, you know, if they really got to know them, um, they, they would help them in the same way, but there's so much of that cloud of fear. So my question as I continue to hike is how do we break down those clouds of fear? Because we, if we continue to put labels on people like, Oh, are you going to stay with a Trump supporter? Okay. They, they they can be very good hearted people. Right. You know? Not Nobody is a, a good person or a bad person. It's how can we break down and deconstruct the labels to create interpersonal experiences and ideas of humanity as a race and not even just beyond humanity, you know, our whole entire ecosystem as something that interacts as a whole where we really do all rely on and need each other. That's the message that I'm walking for. Those are the questions I'm asking. They're the questions I'm asking of my trail angels. Wow. This is amazing. Um, I'm going to read a quote real quick. So, uh, we're completing this, we're going to Morocco, we're flying into Spain tomorrow, and we're completing this um, travel journal that my girlfriend got as a birthday gift. And there are different prompts in here, and one of the prompts was to put your favorite travel quotes. And I was literally writing this when you just texted me earlier to be like, hey, I've got Wi-Fi now. Uh, so I'll read this really quick. You've probably heard it, maybe other people have, it's by Mark Twain, but it's like really appropriate to the point you just made. And he says, travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. And many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and women and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime. Yeah, so I do think exposure and even forcing yourself to be exposed to other people and viewpoints and cultures has a... Uh, massively positive impact on your life. Uh, so if, if people get nothing but that from this conversation, um, I would be happy. <laughs> yes, I wholeheartedly agree. Although I do think, you know, as we have shifted the way we travel to be heavily reliant on our fossil fuels and oil, we want to be mindful of that too. But um, generally speaking, yes, I think the traveler on foot and this is one of the reasons why I love the hiking experience is the traveler on foot it is pretty disarmable, mm. you know, you, you can both ways, right? So if you're on, if you're traveling on foot and uh, a car rolls by, you know, you're, you're kind of on, on equal footing here. Um, it, the, the, you don't know who's more scared of who. <laughs> yeah. And then, so you both have to kind of, you have to use getting to know each other as a way to disarm each other. And then the, the ultimate outcome has been every single time, oh my God, we're such dear friends. I can't wait to follow your journey, you know? So to think about disarmament, that might be a, a theme. Maybe I'm going to write it, you know, uh, you know, psychological disarmament. What does that look like? How do we do that in the big cities? You know, how do we mm. do that? How do we do that across social media? How do we disarm each other instead of trolling each other? Man, you are very wise. Um, this is amazing. I, I wanted to uh, explain for people what trail angels are, because uh, I'm sure you accompanied some on the Appalachian Trail, and then you've mentioned them a couple times uh, about your, your trip now, which is also technically a, a trail, right? 
So I started on the American Discovery Trail. I did okay. about 565 miles on the American Discovery Trail, and then I decided to reroute when I lost my hiking partner. Uh, and now it's more of a walk across America. I call it the Earth Walk. So that's it's the Earth Earth Walk 2019 is my uh, is my journey. But it's a, a bit of you know I'm still spotting on the American Discovery Trail, but it's not I'm not completely following the trail. It's still considered a through hike, and on any through hike or any walk. You know, it does, again, we don't need the labels. Like the tra- trail angels are trail angels. They're people who, they're people who uh, have gone out of their way to help uh, a traveler in need, mm. I think. And we like to call it, tra- they, they provide trail magic because it's always in the moments. It's like it's always in the moments where you need it most. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> You're like, sitting down on the ground, you have one mile left. You don't think you can make it. And a car rolls up and is like, I made you some homemade cookies. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You need a banana. I got some water. You need a shower. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's amazing. So um, they really are angelic in that moment. It's like, you're so your vision's so blurred from hiking for for twenty miles that you can't really see their face. You just you just know they exist and they're helping you. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, on days when I walk, you know, seven eight miles to New York City, like where I'll spend like a whole day like going around. Uh, I come home and my feet are sore. <laughs> so I'm wondering, like, you're a thousand miles in now. Like, how are your body's holding up? Well, to be honest with you, um, my body is holding up great, but uh, everyone has their different um, woes. So I have always been in good shape. Um, I've never really had any physical health issues my entire life. I was a dancer from age three. Um, I did train a bit for this this walk. I had some pretty bad blisters and, and sore legs maybe the first hundred miles or so, but Beyond that, I would say that my body is doing great. For me, it's, it's like I said, it's more about the mental. Um, okay. uh, I get obsessive thought patterns. So I'm like, we'll think about one topic all day straight, you know. But my, my body, um, as, as long as I stretch, I do a lot of yoga. I stop in the fields and I lay and I stretch. The biggest thing you can do on any travel day is listen to your body. Listen to your body. Your body is your vessel. Your body is the only one you have. It's your, you know, your temple. So when I, it kind of like the whole Forrest Gump thing. When I'm tired, I sit. You know, when I'm hungry, I eat. When I, you know, if I, if I want to walk 25 miles, I walk 25 miles. If I want to walk two miles, I walk two miles. There is there is an element of pushing oneself, and I, I I do sometimes feel like I'm in competition with myself, and I do like to do that sometimes. But ultimately, if you it's it's a balance. So ultimately, if, if you think you're going to push too hard, you can feel it. You're like, don't go any farther because you're going to hurt yourself. So I don't keep going at all expenses. I don't, and that I think that's how I've come this far. Yeah, that I don't keep going at, at any expense. I stop when I need to stop. I go when I want to go. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, in regards to food, I've seen you talk about even like clean eating and I'm, I'm assuming with everything else you've talked about that you're, you're likely into like harm reduction in terms of like our impact on the environment and things like that. Um, but I also know that like if you've walked 20 miles and you're starving, like you're going to 
eat what's there, what someone's provided for you. Uh, how, how have you found like, uh, eating throughout this trip? Uh, are you able to get the things that you need and you want? Yeah. So I'll say that, um, integrity is one of the most, the highest values that I hold near and dear to my heart. And I will be a hundred percent honest when I say that I am completely out of integrity with my diet on this trip <laughs> and the values that I promote. Um, and it's, and, and it's almost purposeful though. Okay. So I'm going to say it's almost intentional Okay. because I do promote clean eating and I do promote, uh, a, moving toward a more plant-based diet with meat that is uh, sustainably sourced and knowing where your food comes from. So part of what I'm trying to raise awareness about as I'm walking is how difficult that is to do 90%, like through 90% of America. Mm. It's, It's actually completely unrealistic and inaccessible because these small towns, First of all, a lot of the small farmers have been put out of business. The small farmers are now either raising cattle or doing an organic garden, but it's not enough to provide for the whole community. So you're really looking at gas stations, food marts, fast food, um, and, 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 you know, they might be, um, a lot of them pride themselves on whatever it is that they grow, they get fresh, but beyond that, the rest of it is, uh, is processed. So it's like we have these pockets of, of health, but we're, we're not providing our communities at large with accessible ways to eat clean on a regular and consistent basis. And that really bothers me. So the truth of the matter is that I eat like some days I eat like crap because I'm eating spam packets and, you know, Twix bars all day. And then other days I come into a community and they cook me like a completely home cooked meal. Like I'm here at a challenge right now. We got venison. I mean, like uh, hunted venison and homemade rolls and veggies and the whole, the whole nine. And I'm very blessed and I feel very blessed and grateful to have those things. Um, I believe strongly that we can live in a world where clean eating is accessible across the board for everyone. And that's one of the things that um, I'm promoting, looking more deeply at in terms of policy change. Amazing. Uh, And honestly, like I said this before, but I I appreciate your honesty with these answers. I think it's going to be really valuable for people who are listening. Um, I'm certain that people often think about these things, uh, like on days when you don't have a place to stay or, or you haven't met anybody, uh, like, where are you sleeping? Like, how are you staying uh, as clean as possible or showering if you're able to? Uh, how are you uh, obtaining money along the way? Well, um, the good news is that uh, I was lent a very high quality tent by my former hiking partner. So, Nemo is his name. Thank you, Nemo. Huge gratitude. I have a, a really great tent. Um, I, I will say that you can go out here and do this trip on less than what I have, but I'm not, I mean, I'm not a hundred percent prepared either. You know, like I, I was gifted a lot of things, very fortunate, very blessed to be out here. This is not something, I mean, taking nine months off and, you know, it's not, not something that everyone can do. Um, I had a little bit 
of money uh, put aside for it, but I'm also fundraising. Um, in terms of sleeping, I really like my little one-person tent. I can set it up anywhere. It's green. It blends in. Uh, I think that one thing that I try and do is be, be really respectful of the neighborhood. So I look out for places that, and Jeremy agreed with this too, that are secluded but not dangerous. You know, so maybe like the city park, you know, a back corner where we're not like in the middle of the park, taking it up like we're partying, you know, but yeah. we're being respectful. And then if the cops come along, you are able to explain what you're doing. And they've generally been, you know, they come up as if maybe you're a threat, you know, or maybe you're a partier. And then when you tell them what you're doing, they're more like, oh, are you okay? You know, so it's, it's amazing how the same behavior can be looked at completely different depending on the intention, right? Yeah. So um, in terms of camping, I always just set my intention every night. Uh, I hope that if anyone comes by that they don't make a rash judgment and harm me before asking. And I say that prayer every night. I'm not very religious, but I'm very spiritual. And I just set that intention every night that if anyone comes to bother me, that they uh, try and ask me first what I'm doing. And I usually found that 99.9% of the time when I explain what I'm doing, people want to help. They don't want to get in the way. Amazing. This is a weird aside, but uh, it's here with me somewhere. Uh, I quite like the movie The Shining, so I'm reading The Shining. And I remember when I was a kid, my parents took me to see the movie Twister, uh, which itself wasn't, mm. wasn't a very good film, but... Um, in that movie, at some point, the, like the, the characters in it uh, go to a drive-in movie theater and they're watching The Shining. Uh, and I remember that scared the hell out of me, even that like quick clip of like the, the bloody uh, teen girls in that. But uh, the, there's a connection with the Twister thing because I saw you had a video that was pretty frightening of a tornado experience. And I was wondering if you could share that with, uh, with the listeners. Yeah, you know, I... I was I was really lucky. Someone was, you know, saying all my followers were saying some collective prayers or something. Um, I was in the town that the tornado hit just the night before, and it was like two miles uh, before because I had actually walked 15 miles, but then I stayed with someone in their home that was like 12 miles backward. So I was only two miles away from the tornado, and. I was laying down in the bed and the window was right there and I just got a terrible feeling. I woke up and my phone went off and it said tornado warning and I looked it up and it's like tornado watch is, is I guess when there's maybe a tornado in the area, but a tornado warning means there, there is mm. a tornado in the area. And then the power went out. Whoa. And so you don't see that in that video because the lights are still on and the, it, you really just see the lightning, but the power then went out. And, uh, you know, I mean, we experienced thunderstorms back east, but nothing like what I've experienced here. Nothing like what I've experienced here. First of all, that tornado was so scary that I didn't, I didn't sleep all night. And the biggest issue with the weather, because we've then, after that tornado, we've had continued thunderstorms like the past week. Jeremy and I both got caught in a thunderstorm just the other night. Um, and the, the biggest issue with the, the rain and the weather, beyond being scared that you're going to get struck by lightning because it's hitting like right next to you, is that you're, we're not sleeping. So I think a lot of people don't realize, 
that the effects of this journey, it's not just about the walking, right? So it's about not losing any of your gear, making sure that you get to the next place before the rain hits, you know? Um, but not only that, it's a compounded effect of lack of sleep. Mm. So the, the worse the weather is and the worse, like when that tornado hit, I didn't sleep all night. When the thunderstorms hit, I don't, I don't sleep all night. So yesterday I was walking on this back road in the farm country and I thought to myself, I was so happy that I wasn't walking on the highway because I just started walking with my eyes closed Whoa. <laughs> and I was like, I, I'll hear the cars, <laughs> right? I'll, I'll hear the car. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Cause I'm just so tired. And, uh, and the weather, it, it's like humid. You, I feel like I'm in Vietnam. It's humid, raining, and then it's sunny, and then you're getting like, you know, the, the sunburns. You've got sunburn and the humidity and the thunderstorms while you're sleeping. Your tent's getting wet. It sucks. It's, yeah. For anyone listening, it sucks. <laughs> it's hard. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. That's all I can say, but... We, this is when you do ramp up that inner empowerment to keep going and push through. So that, that keep going moment, mo- mentality is, is not about literally always taking the next step. It's about, um, generally speaking, taking in everything that's happening to you, including something like a tornado and being grateful that it's part of your experience. Well, that's a cool way of looking at it. Um, there's a gentleman who, I honestly like don't know anything about, um, I, he had popped up. Th- there's a, a, a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers named Daniel Norris. And he does a lot of like outdoorsy stuff and hiking. And he popped up in, in his videos one day. And then I saw you talking about him and saw that you had met him. Um, and then I just like looked around a little bit and I think maybe he's a musician, but his name is Mike Posner. Yeah. He's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a pretty, Pretty well-known musician. All right. I'm like super out of the loop then, but um, I guess he's doing something similar. Can you sort of explain what's going on there? Sure. Um, So Mike Posner, I found out about him. I didn't know that he was walking when I first started my walk. To be honest, I didn't really know who, to to be fair to you, I didn't really know who he was either. I knew his song. Okay. um, And I knew the name. Um. And actually, it was my network who encouraged me to reach out to him. It wasn't even me. I wasn't even like, it was my network and my family. My network and my family both for different reasons. My network wanted me to reach out to him because they were like, you guys are so similar. You're going to get along so well. Maybe you'll produce music together or, you know, you know, maybe he'll help your cause. My family was like, we don't want you walking alone. Go find the guy to walk with. <laughs> He's got an RV. Go tag along. So I had a lot of conflicting uh, input in, in my head when I went to go meet up with him. Um, the, the story behind that, you know, I could go into it. I don't really want to go too deep into it just because uh, it didn't have, it didn't have the, the turnout that I had hoped for. And I'm actually trying really um, to be mindful about uh, letting that go and, and moving on with my journey okay. um, as much as possible. But Mike has about 450,000 followers. He's walking to like help um, encourage people to seize the day and, you know, get out there and do something uh, that you were scared to do. 
I really, I admire that mission. Um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that mission. I think it's, you know, the more people that he can inspire, the better. That's great. Um, my, uh, my issue was that I had reached out to him to, to see if I could meet up with him because he was walking for deep listening. That's how his walk was advertised on mm. his website, for deep listening. And I'm walking for a cause. So I, I wanted, and his walk was advertised as a join along walk. So I wanted to go meet up with him so I could tell him what I was doing and see if there was any synergy. And, uh, you know, there was a little bit of backlash when they, you know, heard that I wanted to ask why he wasn't walking for a cause. And that really upset me because he was taking interviews with promotional press. Um, and, and I felt that that was out of alignment and out of integrity. And, um, that really bothered me. So I went to go meet up with him anyway, and we walked together for about a day. He was a really nice guy. Um, we had, we had a good day together. He did, you know, he was, he was kind. Um, we had, we shared some laughs and we, we had a good day. I think at the end of it, I was very disheartened to, to know that, he knew I was out here by myself and um, I didn't even want to allow his road manager to share any like route information with me. Um, they really just didn't want me tagging along in any way, shape or form, which, you know, I, I on one hand can understand because of the, the same issue, but I personally felt very disheartened. I felt that um, he has a huge following that he could be leveraging for some social cause, not necessarily mine. He could be leveraging it for anti-suicide, anti-bullying, you know, the climate, homelessness, you know, pick a cause. It doesn't matter. You know, the, the walk in and of itself is going to inspire people to seize the day. But redistribution of resources is, is a major issue right now. And people need all the resources they can get. And he has followers that could contribute to something like that. I feel it's a missed opportunity. So that's my personal perspective on it. People don't have to agree with me. I am open to always working with Mike. I don't have any hate toward Mike. There's no hatred in my heart toward anyone. Um, I would love to collaborate in the future. Um, I would, I'm always going to challenge people. That's just Jenny meatballs. I'm always going to challenge people to, just like I would want them to challenge me to be more in integrity, to do even better, to do even more. That's what I expect people, my, my people to do for me. That's what I do for others. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't mean to bring that up to stir the pot. I didn't realize all that. Uh, I, I had just seen that he was a face I was seeing a lot. Um, and I was just sort of wondering about like, sort of like his, his popularity, but that makes a lot of sense. I also think it's a fair critique. Yeah. Again, maybe he disagrees with you, but I do think, yeah, you know, if, if you have that big of a spotlight, right. And a platform, uh, and you can do some good for people, then I think it, you sort of have that responsibility to do yeah. that. I mean, that's, that's my personal opinion on it. Um, a lot of his followers disagree. Um, I was actually, Jeremy and I had a conversation and, you know, we know that human beings are not quote unquote obligated to do anything, right? None of us are have, we don't have to do anything. I feel that, um, it, to do the minimum that we could possibly do is, you know, not, you know, we can do more like 
if we have a platform to do more, um, why wouldn't we, you know? Yeah. But, um, all right. I know that you guys are getting ready to walk. What what comes next after this? Uh, are you thinking ahead past the walk? Are you do you have a, an end date that you want to make it to California? Or are you just taking this day by day? Right now, I'm taking it day by day. Um, I actually am considering uh, what's best for my cause, my organization. Um, unlike some of the people who are out here walking for a cause, my cause is actually an organization that I co-founded. So I'm not the only one in the organization, but I am raising money for an organization that I co-founded. So I have to think about really what's most beneficial for this organization as it grows. What, you know, I purposely came out here to do something, um, to make a splash, to get our name out there, to share the mission to raise money. And if it's um, not having the, that intended effect, I have to think about, is there, you know, have I gained enough resources to follow up on other ways that I can um, grow that startup, right? Or is it more beneficial for me to keep walking? But for this, for me, this was not, like, although it was on my bucket list, it's not a, something that I'm doing for personal accomplishment. Mm-hmm. That's not the primary goal. That's the secondary goal. So, Um, if I was doing it for personal achievement, I would just, you know, figure out a way, but I really believe in something bigger than myself and a synergy and a co-creation bigger than myself. So, so long as I'm getting signs that this is where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm going to keep going. If I, um, feel at any moment in time that my, that me, Jenny Meatballs would be better in service to others by doing something else, um, then I'll step off the trail and do something else that's more in service to others in that way. Very cool. Um, let's send people over to your website, your, your social media, so they can follow you. Uh, what are some things we can plug? Sure. So I'm really easy to find on a personal level. So you can find me anywhere on the internet at Jenny Meatballs, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, website, JennyMeatballs.com, JennyMeatballs at gmail.com, JennyMeatballs on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. My website for my walk is in my Instagram bio. It's WeAreMotherEarthWalk.com. So WeAreMotherEarthWalk.com. That's the cause. That's the organization. That's where you can learn about where the money's going, what we're doing. Um, And again, that is in the bio of my Instagram. Awesome. Um, all right. I'm going to let you guys get to it. Uh, this is super exciting. Awesome. Thank you for your time. I'm going to be following along and uh, I hope everybody uh, follows along as well. Tim, thank you so much for uh, reaching out to me. Um, uh, and anyone that's listening, thank you so much for following along and joining the, the vulnerable journey. I get real. I get really real. Yeah. <laughs> be prepared (laughs) awesome that is a wrap on episode number 119 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast thank you to Jenny Meatballs shout out to Jeremy Schultz who I saw in the background of the video as Jenny and I were talking thank you to all of you Voyagers as always for tuning in for listening for downloading for sharing for all the good things that you do. 
Summer is upon us. I hope that you have an amazing summer and an amazing July. You won't hear from me until possibly the end of July, but I hope that you're traveling and you're doing some amazing things. Head on over to my Instagram account, The Voyages of Tim V, and you can follow along with my journey through Morocco. I love sending postcards. I love sending postcards to strangers. I love uh, meeting people along the way and then sending them postcards. So if you want a postcard from somewhere in the world, just shoot me a DM or you can hit me up on email too. That's quite simply thevoyagesoftimvetter at gmail.com. If you're traveling through either Madrid these first couple days of uh, July um, or Morocco through the bulk of July, let me know. You can meet up with us. We can share a drink, uh, some stories, a laugh. That would be awesome. Otherwise, folks, I will talk to you at the end of July. Please, please, please take care of each other until that time. Goodbye.